Hi, and welcome to the Human Side of Business podcast. I'm Angie Cabe, CEO and co-founder of Intuity Performance. I'm a performance coach, HR professional, whole person leadership facilitator, and your host. The Human Side of Business podcast is fueled by the genuine curiosity to understand how personal characteristics and skills can be leveraged to drive individual and team performance, tangible outcomes, and ultimately organizational success within business. Each podcast is devoted to sharing knowledge, expanding our learning edges, and exploring the trends in corporate culture towards growing the emotional intelligence of organizations. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, and a warm welcome to the Elevate Business Podcast. Both myself, Ange McCabe, and Scott Russ are your hosts. We have the pleasure of introducing you to Tim Kachuriak, who is the founder of Next After, a cutting-edge fundraising research lab that is home to the world's largest online fundraising experiment library. Tim has spent the last decade researching the question, why do people give? In an attempt to help nonprofit organizations and to increase generosity in the world. Hey, Tim, we're so excited to have you here at the Elevate Business Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. Likewise. Um, So tell us a little bit about your company, uh, introduce us to your role, and a little bit about your leadership journey. We're excited to hear more. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So uh, my my journey, I guess, uh, as a leader started probably right after I graduated college. So um, I desperately wanted to work in the field of advertising and marketing, um, but it was right after 9-11 and nobody was hiring. Uh, and even mm. though I had connections there, so like I worked at a country club all during high school and college. So I like to joke, I had 432 aunts and uncles that were captains of industry. And so I called, you know, uncle Joe, who was, who ran like the largest ad agency in Pittsburgh where I grew up. And I did my little dog and pony show for him. He's like, look, I'd love to hire you kid, but we just laid off 30 people yesterday. Nine yeah. 11 hit our industry hard, our agency harder. Can't help you. And so that was my experience coming out of college. And, and so six months of banging on doors and having them slam in my face, I ended up meeting, a serial entrepreneur who said, maybe you can do some things for this, you know, these little businesses I operate. And I said, that sounds great. And he said, then why don't you start a business? And I said, well, shoot, I don't know how to do that. And he's like, well, we do, you know, we've got an incubator on the second floor of our office building. I'll give you a desk. I'll be your partner. I'll introduce you to people and the rest is up to you, kid. So I'm like, well, what do I got to lose? I mean, I'm living in my parents' basement. I've got no overhead. I wasn't married at the time. That's perfect. Right. Right. (laughs) So uh, I think I was violently flung into leadership uh, because <laughs> there was nothing else for me at the time. So I ended up starting this little business and uh, you know moved out of the incubator, had a small staff, and I just learned so much about what it takes to really lead a business. I mean, you are the person that ultimately has to sell yourself to people. They have to buy into you as a leader to be able to go deliver on what you say you're going to deliver. So going, getting the customers, mm-hmm. keeping them happy, keeping, keeping them service, and then getting the, the people, uh, especially like the early hires to believe that you can keep them employed. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. a pretty uh, you know, big challenge for, for a lot of people that are starting business. So of course. Um, yeah. And so anyway, the, just to make the, the longer story short, um, I did that for about five years. I went to work for a nonprofit organization. I was there for a very short amount of time. And that's when I discovered this merger between working with nonprofits, doing marketing. Um, Mm. And that was kind of like what I dreamed. There was like basically marketing agencies that worked with nonprofits. I went to work for one in Dallas. 
Uh, we were acquired by another agency in Dallas a couple of years later. And during that time, I was like, there's an opportunity to really optimize fundraising, mm-hmm. um, bringing science, like some of the things that, you know, the folks in the for-profit space have been doing for years, decision science, behavioral economics, you know, right. conversion rate optimization, bringing that to the nonprofit sector. So that's uh, when I started next after about 10 years ago. Fantastic. What a journey. And, you know, pausing on the whole thing around violently flung into leadership. Um, I really enjoyed that. And I'm hanging on to it for a second here, Tim, because, you know, when we think about uh, organically many organizations that often happens, it's like, hey, you're a super cool kid. You're doing fantastic in your job. What do you think about leadership, kid? You want to jump into it? Right. And, you know, I can only envision some of the, some of the learnings that would have happened, but, but don't like to assume. So tell us a little bit when it comes to like your leadership journey piece, like what have you learned as, you know, developing your business from a leadership perspective, but also leading teams? Well, you know, I actually really first learned about like what it's like to be a leader um, when it was my senior year in college. So mm. I, uh, up until that time, I was kind of like the follower and we did like lots of group projects and stuff. And I'm like, look, what's, what's the path of least resistance? How do I, how can I do like the bare minimum requirements and like get the grade, the best grade possible. So like I go <laughs> and find all the smart people, you know, and seek them out and then just kind of be a hanger on person. And I just remember like we had this one group project coming up and it was somewhat interesting to me. I was like, you know what, let me, let me take a shot at being the leader. And I did. And I was like, I'm going to go and like lead the project. And, you know, the leader has to work harder. They have mm. to organize people. They have to kind of build consensus and get people to, to buy in, especially when it's a group project with multiple people with multiple ideas about how that project should go. Mm. Um, you know, they have to ultimately be the, the front person, you know what I mean? For the, for mm. the project, the key presenter. Mm. Um, and so I, uh, I just kind of like fell in love with that. I was like, wait a second, I, I can do this. I can do yeah. this. And I think that gave me confidence going into starting my own business because I had that, that experience to kind of lean back on. Um, yeah. But uh, to answer your question, I mean, like some of the things that, that I learned is that, uh, you know, number one, that the leader has to work harder than everybody else. Um, number two, that people don't exist to serve the leader. The leader exists to serve the people. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And that means like, I'm the guy that gets there first in the morning and like has to go and like vacuum the floors at night and clean the dishes, you know, like that's like, you know, the the true leader is one who serves, not one who is served uh, by others. Mm -hmm. So that that's, those are like lessons that honestly have been really valuable to my, my work now, because now I have a much larger organization that I'm running and a lot more people that I'm responsible for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I guess talking about that, that larger organization, um, I'm sure there's many learnings between, you know, growing a, a team of a few people up to a team of, I think you guys are uh, just around 40 at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what were some, some interesting things that you came across of in terms of leading the team um, and really supporting them um, <clears throat> to be able to thrive in their positions? Yeah. Well, uh, first and foremost, I, I think, um, what we're learning, especially our entire leadership team is is learning, is that there's certain skill sets that are really important at the early stages of a company's development. Mm-hmm. And there's a different skill set of leadership that's necessary, like once the company gets to a certain size and scale. Mm. And so one of the questions that we're asking ourselves is like, 
are we still the right people? You know? And that's a very, very like, you know, vulnerable question to ask. It's like, wow. basically like, should I, do I still deserve to be yeah. in the position I am just because I started the company, right? but, but maybe I'm not the right person to do that work, right. Uh-huh. Of leading it now. So, so that's, um, that, that's some of the questions that we're asking ourselves. Um, but like, how are we trying to like, you know, lead, lead our teams? Um, number one, we're trying to create space for them to be able to make mistakes, right? And hopefully these aren't mistakes that like, you know, take the business offline and like, we're totally toast, right? So like, you know, creating like the right boundaries, but giving them sp- space to learn through tough beats, because I- I'm sure you probably will agree. A lot of your best learnings come from when you actually kind of get burned, right? Yep. Mm. Um, so, you know, and, and because of the culture of our organization, the nature of the work we're doing, we're constantly doing testing and experimentation. And so we try to frame everything as an experiment. And if somebody does make a mistake, like we just had a big snafu that happened the other day that honestly had been persisting for seven months and nobody realized it. Uh, and it was a pretty big deal, you know, and, um, you know, we called a meeting together. Um, nobody was in trouble. It wasn't a finger pointing exercise. We're all responsible and we're all kind of like innocent at the same time. Um, and you know, we talked about what can we take away from this bad experience? What is the key learning? What is the insight that can help to, you know, make us better as a company, as Mm -hmm. a team, like in the future. So those are the kind of things that we're working through right now. Mm. I really appreciate your vulnerability, even for us, Tim, like, you know, those are some really large questions as to, am I the right fit for the organization that I founded? Uh, And I find that really interesting because it's, it's almost a proactive plan for succession planning Uh, Mm. because oftentimes it's, it's a reverse. It's, you know, I want to spend more time at the country club or, you know, I just have different passions in life and I want to offload my position rather than looking at your business as a whole entity and asking yourself the question, am I still fit? Right. Well, I mean, the reality though, is like, I'm, I'm a major shareholder of the company, right? So like, you know, like I want to go and enable the company to get as big as possible because ultimately, you know, pragmatically it benefits me as an yeah, owner, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like I also want to be in a role where I I don't feel like I'm, you know, like this like lost little puppy just wandering like what am I supposed to be doing and constantly battling with my own insecurity um if I can serve in a role where I'm thriving and I'm humming and everything I'm doing is like 100% in alignment with my best and highest skill set. So, you know, that that's where that comes from. And hopefully everybody wants that. Like who doesn't want that? If if not, then you've got a really crappy job as a leader. <laughs> Yeah. I, I get you, Tim, but, but playing devil's advocate, there's a lot of ego that comes into play when it comes to being that CEO or that quote unquote top dog, right? Yeah. Like it takes, honestly, like it takes a humble person to think about it from the perspective that you're presenting. Mm. And you know, Scott and I have interviewed a lot of CEOs and, and they're all phenomenal and thinking along the same way, but there's also many out there that, that don't think this way. So I think it's really important to share that message that you're, you're looking at the greater betterment, betterment of the organization, whether it's for resale value, whether it's for vested interest in your shares, et cetera. So I, I think that's a strong message is what I'm getting at in short. Yeah. And, and, and truth be told, like when I started the company, I didn't give myself the title CEO um, for two reasons. Number one, because I wasn't really sure if that's a job I wanted. Number two, I didn't really 
I wasn't really sure if I was the right person to, to be the CEO. <laughs> so my title is the Chief Innovation and Optimization Officer because there's two things I'm extremely passionate about. Mm. It's taking existing solutions, things, problems, and like you know, making them better mm-hmm. um, or you know, developing new solutions to some of the challenges that we're facing. So like innovation and optimization, making things better or inventing new ways to, to go about solving the problem um, or the things that I love. And so that's that's where I want to stay is in that sweet spot. Now that's very useful in the early days, I guess, uh, in the startup days for a CEO to have that skill set. But mm-hmm. as a company scales, there's a lot more, um, I don't know, there's, there's a lot different skill set that I'm finding mm. needs to be there. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so shifting gears a little bit, Tim, I know we've talked sure. offline a little bit about the, the culture at Next After. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about how you cultivated the culture? Is it something that just came naturally? Was there input from teams? What, what did that look like? Yeah. So I think, and, and I may be wrong about this, but I think it's very hard to codify a culture when the business hasn't existed for a while. Um, because you don't really know who you are. I mean, the culture is really like, you know, it's, it's, it's the personality of the organization, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's mm-hmm. kind of like the defining characteristics of how you behave as a, as a corporate entity. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can't really just go and like plant a flag and declare that. I don't think. Right. I mean, maybe you can, if you just like say like our values are world-class and integrity and like all these like words that mean nothing today. So, you know, it took us probably five or six years to even get to the point where we felt like we could actually codify the culture. Okay. Um, and you know, it was me and my, my, my two business partners, and, and we brought in a couple consultants to kind of help us think through and shape, you know, kind of like think about the, the different aspects of that. Um, and, you know, we started to kind of rough out, like, what are the things that define who we are, you know, and how we operate and how we behave in the marketplace. Um, and we ended up like co- codifying like eight uh, core values. And I know that's probably a lot, but, um, and, and they're not one word values because, I, you know, um, I think that like sometimes having a narrative to explain the value is, is probably more important than just choosing it's the right words. Yeah. 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 So, so, you know, we, we've done that and we've re- now we're trying to really figure out like, how do we train our, our newer staff? Like we hired 15 people last year. We hired, mm-hmm. we're, our plan is to hire 10 more this year. So we're in this like growth spurt now. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the new people, they don't have, they haven't been here. They, they don't know, you know, uh, how to do that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, one of the things that we've implemented, it's, it's actually a, a pretty cool piece of um, technology. It's called Tiny Pulse. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a um, employee engagement kind of platform, basically. Yeah. So it sends out a question once a week and you can answer the question. You get a pulse for where people are. But there's a second component of, of that, of the Tiny Pulse, which is called uh, uh, Cheers for Peers. And you can send shout outs to like various team members when they do like really cool things or whatever, but you tag them to one of the eight different values. So it's a way to kind Mm. of train, incentivize people to start paying attention and looking for these behaviors. And Mm -hmm. then we have kind of like, you know, instead of, we, you know, have like a big deal every Friday in our staff meeting and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that's one of the things that we're doing now is trying to figure out how to train, um, you know, train people in our values. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just getting excited here. You're, you're talking her language. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about uh, team development? I'm here. I'm your girl, Tim. Um, you know, what, what it comes down to is the people and culture side of things, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, what comes up is what type of onboarding process is currently in play or in, envisioned? And how do you realize that? So it's not just 
about tactics and logistics of, you know, you need a computer set up and you need to understand this client profile. It's also injecting that culture piece, which mm -hmm. is what I get excited about because it's something that, you know, it's something that flows with the organization. You can have fun with it. There's different avenues now with our technologies and apps that you can mm -hmm. roll it out and have it consistent so that, you know, it's not just your, your new team members coming on. It's also your mentorship or champion team that are bringing new people on in the organization. They can know what's expected too. Um, and then also it's, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's double entendre, double-edged sword in the sense of if you have someone constantly helping out and bringing new team members on uh, or fresh faces, then it, it's, it's distilling or reiterating those messages over and over again organically. Um, so it's, it's a, a beautiful thing to have an onboarding program that's adding efficiencies to that training piece. Um, and then also adding value for, from, um, I, I guess, a culture, a people and culture perspective. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things we want to do as our company grows is we want to attract people right. that, that come in yep. because of the values that they are attracted mm -hmm. to that. That's the reason they came here. Not because it's a better pay move or whatever like that. We want people that actually believe uh, and what we're trying to accomplish as a company, but also see themselves in each of the eight different values mm -hmm. that we have represented. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like where you're going with that because I mean, like I've seen companies or corporations in past, you know, make sure that they have a high rating score on Glassdoor. It matters. Of course it's visible, visible, but to me, it's not about the accolades or the awards that you present from a people's choice perspective, um, you know, or top best company, et cetera, et cetera. It's more about, what is your persona in the market mm -hmm. from an internal perspective? Because we spend a lot of money on interfacing from a web design perspective, but oftentimes it's that people and culture piece that's kind of hidden. Um, yep. Unless you get into companies like uh, Netflix, for example, they have their full manifesto that's that's up for digestion mm -hmm. uh, online, uh, which is just kind of top of mind because I seen it the other day. But mm -hmm. And there's other companies that are starting to kind of jump on that bandwagon. And it's really important to have an inflow of people, um, you know, and having that kind of marketing creative background that you have, I'm mm -hmm. sure that you could come up with uh, many ways to do so. Yeah, I'll, I'll share one way that we've done that. We we put on a, an annual conference called the Nonprofit Innovation Optimization Summit. And Ooh, cool. It's, uh, it's cool because it's, it's absolutely the opposite of all the other conferences in our space. I mean, if you've been to a nonprofit fundraising conference, it's like a snore fest. It's like the same old, same old over and over and over again. And, you know, the, the, you know, keynote speaker is really just the sponsor that put up the most sponsor dollars. And so they're basically just giving a thinly veiled, not even thinly veiled, <laughs> a sales pitch from the stage. Um, <laughs> And so I'm like, well, that's how you really feel, Tim. Well, I'm, I'm just, well, that's, look, I'm telling you, like, once you have a definition of the problem, the mm. solution becomes very, very apparent. You go the hard, the opposite direction. Yeah. So we put on this conference, we spend crazy amounts of money, like bringing in the best speakers we can. We bring in like 16, 18 of like leading digital marketers, most of them from the for-profit space for mm -hmm. two days to pour into our nonprofit community. It's open bar for two days with these killer parties it's the best time ever that people have ever had at a conference. And they're like, wow, if this is the attention to detail and this is like how fun it is just to come to your conference, I can't imagine what it's like to work with you guys. And that's where we get all of our clients. That's where we get all of our like leads for new employees is once they kind of experience what we're all about as a, as a company. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, and it's, and I'll tell you what, probably one of the best benefits of doing that conference is that 
we put it on with our entire staff. We have no outside uh, help or services uh, that are provided except for bartenders and things like that. So like everybody has to play a role and it's a different role than that's typically playing. Right. (laughs) So like, we're all like moving boxes around and putting, you know, stands together. And I mean, it's, it's just, it's such an all hands on deck kind of experience that uh, the bonding, I feel like we, we bond like five years in two days. It's amazing. Mm. It's amazing. Mm. Scott, I think we need to have an intuitive performance conference. I think that's our next step. <laughs> I'm waiting for our invite to Tim so we can learn and then we can, we can post our own, right? It's always learn from the best. And, yeah. NIOsummit.com. Uh, go check it out. It's Fantastic. September 21 to 23 or something, Kansas City. So if you can get awesome. down to Kansas City, All right. uh, we'd love to host you for sure. Mm. All right. And we'll put your name in for, uh, for the roster of speakers. There you go. <laughs> it won't be in the know. digital marketing space, but yeah. uh, if you want to talk human skills and uh, and people yeah. and culture, she's definitely your gal. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I was just going to say I don't know uh, how competitive I would be in that space, but uh, <laughs> a different lens. Yeah, a different for lens sure. for sure. Well, uh, hey, you can't do any sort of strategy without people, right? So you know, there you go. This Common is just denominator. it. This is just it. Good spin. Good spin. Yeah. When we're talking about the peopling piece of things, what is your vision for your team coming into 2022? Um, wow, that's an interesting question. A vision for our team heading into 2022. Um, I think the the biggest thing that we've hmm, that's a great question. I don't know if I have an answer. I'm stumped. I'm like I'm rarely speechless. <laughs> the vision for my team heading into 2022. I don't know. That's a great question. What do you mean by that? Help help me understand that a little bit. Yeah, more. understood. Yeah, for sure. So in on its face, it was very subjective for a reason. So that understanding, you know, where do you want to take your team in 2022? So that would be like the, the subjective uh, visionary side of things. Mm-hmm. From a more tactical space, it's like, what type of objectives or goals are are you looking to help implement with your team members this year? Well, um, I'll start with our leadership team. So uh, in the, I guess, in the spirit of continuing to be very vulnerable, um, I recently reread five dysfunctions, uh, you know, five dysfunctions of a team. Mm. And I realized, oh my gosh, we are so dysfunctional. And I've been saying that for the last couple of years. I said, we are a highly effective, like dysfunctional band of, of misfits. Uh, and like this book, like just totally like reinforce that because like mm-hmm. a lot of the behaviors that are in like, you know, the, the, the characters in that, and the story, uh, I mean, I identify with a lot of that stuff. And I think that that's something that we have to under and, and, and keep and l- l- bear in mind that like, we all love each other. Like we're yeah, like yeah. all very, very close and we, mm. we like each other, we respect each other, but we're still dysfunctional. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. that that's one of the things that sometimes people don't realize they're like, well, we get along really well. Yeah but you're not dealing with the stuff. You know what I mean? Mm. You're not dealing with the interpersonal relationships Mm. that are keeping you guys from being able to go and and speak very candidly and beat up ideas to get to the ultimate best solution. And so that's the number one thing for my leadership team is I need us to number one, become aware of the problem. Number two, to peel back the layers of some Mm. of those interpersonal relational things that are keeping us from being a highly effective, very high functioning team. Um, I get you. Yeah. And, and just to give you one example, right. So, you know, we have these different departments now and like, now there's like these little thiefdoms that are being formed. And what I hear in meetings is like, well, my team and, and then my team, I'm like, hold up a second. 
It's one team. It's it's this team, right? This we are one yeah. company. It's or it's like oh, the data business is doing this and like the client service business. I was like, there's one business, you know. <laughs> so um, yeah, but that's the kind of stuff that it's it's sometimes yeah. subtle, but it's it's yeah. it's really it's the real meat of what yeah. needs to happen. I think it's something that we we we've seen with our clients as well, and it's just it's natural almost yeah. within the growth of an organization. As you start to grow, there's more silos that are formed, and it takes that much more intentional effort to make sure that everyone's on the same page, everyone's aligned, and the the stuff is getting dealt with. Uh, yeah. So to speak. I was kind of spinning in a different direction. Like for me, I automatically go to that human side, mm-hmm. and and you said it. It's a human skills piece of things where it's like. We've been taught how to business. We've been taught, you know, how to scale. We've been taught how to market, but we've never organically been taught how to people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in speaking to some of my executive coaching clients in the past, it's like we almost have these toddlers running around in our head. Mm-hmm. And from a social norm perspective, we've been taught how to hold them back or manage them for the most part, but then all of a sudden they just pop out. And it's kind of like, okay, what, what do we do with this? Uh, and it can range from, you know, um, a, a divide perspective all the way up to dysfunction. So I can appreciate where you're coming from. And you're not alone in the sense yeah. of having a growing team, right? It's, it's a real thing. And mm-hmm. I would say, Scott, what is it? Like over 95% of our clients, you know, come to us from um, a tactical program perspective. So it's either training and development, uh, maybe they want to get into coaching with us, or it could be the the people and culture consulting side of things of our business. But ultimately, mm. it all comes down to people and helping mm. them solve problems from a human skills perspective. Yeah. All That's right. Awesome. Yeah. Well, this has really been fantastic, Tim. Really appreciate you taking the time to to share your your leadership experience, already from the start of uh, you know working uh, in your senior grad year to, to where you are today. And we always like to ask our participants this uh, one final question, and it's what are three words of inspiration uh, that you would want the world to hear? Ah, I'll give you three letters, A, B, C, always be curious. I think that that's Ooh. like the one thing okay. that like probably unites every single person that works at Next After mm-hmm. is this, this bond of insatiable curiosity. Right. We're constantly trying to figure out what's next after this. We're constantly testing, constantly mm-hmm. experimenting. And then we're constantly sharing that with the world. And what that does is it puts positive, like innovative pressure on us to come up with something new tomorrow. And in order to do that, you got to be curious. You got to question things. You got to say, what happens if we tried this? What happens if we tried that? Uh, and honestly, I think that's been the key to our success is that we haven't stopped asking that question uh, of, you know, how, how do we, <laughs> how do we make it better tomorrow? Like, how do we change and disrupt mm-hmm. what we're doing today? I mean, like I, I was just, I just told my senior leadership team, I said, my 10 year plan is to uh, put our consultancy out of business, right. Putting up, putting our own agency out of business. Right. Because um, if we, if we are going to go and hit our amb- ambitious target, um, we can't do it operating the way that our business operates today. It's going to have to be mm-hmm. something different and bigger. So uh, how's that ABC? Always be curious. Yeah, That's fantastic, Tim. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your leadership and entrepreneurial insights with, with ourselves and our sub- subscribers. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, and for those who would like to learn more about Next After, we're going to provide a link to the company's profile to the Elevate Business Podcast title page. Take good care. Thanks for listening to the Human Side of Business Podcast. 
I'm glad you could join us. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to stay updated with our latest content, make sure to visit our website. The link can be found in the episode description where you can subscribe to the podcast, sign up for our newsletter and learn more about our whole person leadership services. Sounds interesting? Explore the whole person leadership cohort by Intuity Performance, a unique program that offers unparalleled support to managers on every step of their leadership journey. Our program features evidence-based assessments, workbooks, group coaching, and interactive learning experiences to help you level up your leadership skills. Reach out today to apply to one of our upcoming cohorts. Until next time, take care and stay curious.